0: Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doylestown Presbyterian Church. It's clear these days it's tough to make time. Schedules quickly become busy and calendars suddenly become full. To that end, DPC is excited to now offer this podcast channel, which will allow you to hear a recording of Sunday's sermon from that day's preacher. Whether you listen while taking an evening stroll, driving to and from the grocery store, or anytime you get a free couple of minutes, We hope it can allow for reflection and spiritual growth during your week. We also invite you to visit www.dtownpc.org to learn more about our church, our various ministries, and online giving opportunities. Thank you for tuning in. Last month, our daughter, her six-month-old son, and I Experienced firsthand some of the challenges of trying to travel over the holidays. We had flown to Charlotte the week after Christmas, and while that plane was delayed for an hour, otherwise it was pretty uneventful. The return journey, however, was an ordeal for us, for all the other passengers, and for one airline employee in particular. We had discovered that traveling with an infant meant that we needed to allow more time when we go to the airport. And so as we went back to the Charlotte airport, the next day, we arrived at 5 p.m. for a flight that was scheduled to leave at 8. While we were waiting to get a bag checked, a very helpful ticket agent came up and expedited that process for us. And so then once we were through security, the three of us were enjoying our dinner at the airport. It was while we were sitting there that we got the first notification that our flight had been delayed by an hour. And so we took our time in getting to the gate. And shortly after getting settled in, my grandson Jackson started to get a little fussy. So I offered to take him in his stroller on a tour of the airport since we had plenty of time. One of the things that I learned about that little guy is that he is an extrovert and that he would smile at everyone he would see and that that continually improved both his spirit and his energy. And at one point we were going through another terminal when we saw people lining up for their flight back to Philadelphia and I was hopeful that we would be following them soon thereafter. It wasn't to be. By the time we got back to the gates, there was another announced delay of yet another hour, and this time, the passengers began to grumble. The terminal was virtually empty at that point, other than our flight, so when the gate agent, who turned out to be the same woman who would helped us with our luggage, when she got on the intercom, we could hear her very clearly throughout that whole space. She told us that our flight had just left Trenton and that she would give us updates along the way. About an hour later, we'd received this text notice that our gate was being changed to Terminal F. And the same woman got back on the intercom and said, somebody's messing with me. There's not a Terminal F in Charlotte Airport. Says we will be leaving from this gate tonight. And so everyone clapped. She continued to give us regular updates on the progress of that flight, including when it landed and had rolled up to the gate as she said to us, okay, stay in the area. We're gonna be boarding soon. 45 minutes later. She came back on and said, we have a problem. It turns out the plane was hit by geese as it was leaving Trenton, and so we need to make sure that it is safe to fly again. The area got very quiet. My daughter noticed that the door to the jetway remained closed. There was a phone call to this gate agent. And sensing what she was about to tell us, the three of us got up and began to head in the opposite direction. We could still hear, as she said, friends, unfortunately, we've had to cancel this flight. And you could hear the anger erupt from all of those frustrated passengers. She said, no one wants to get home more than I do, as I have to be back at the airport at 3 a.m., and that didn't really help much but as we continued to walk our direction we were soon passed by the flight crew who i suspect had come in to the terminal with another entrance other than the jetway and were quickly moving toward the exit themselves and so it was that early the next morning on another flight with another airline we eventually got back home and all three of us that afternoon took a long nap i thought about that poor gate agent as i was reading the biblical text before us today for he tells of another moment when things are starting off well and by its conclusion not only is there anger but even attempted violence it's luke description of the day that Jesus gets up to preach in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. Historians tell us that even then, synagogues were more than a place of worship. They were also a school. They were a community center, which means that these were Jesus' people. They had watched him grow up. They'd shared with him the stories of their faith tradition. They had nurtured him as he matured Luke says that when Jesus began his ministry he started by preaching in synagogues elsewhere in the region and that everywhere he went all the people praised him and so his reputation began to grow until finally the day came when he stood up to speak in Nazareth. An attendant handed him a scroll on which was contained the scripture. And as Jesus opened it, he read from what we know now to be two different passages from Isaiah. He handed it back to the attendant and sat down, the position of a teacher. All eyes were fixed upon him, Luke says. And Jesus responds today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, to our ears, Those words sound like Jesus is claiming for himself this identity as one who is fulfilling the promises God had made all those centuries before, and it seems unlikely that the people in the synagogue understood that, and yet their reaction was positive. Luke says they all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? I hear the words of a proud congregation, of welcoming back one of their own, of now being excited to share in his growing reputation and knowing they had a part to play in the man that he now is. And yet that positive feel quickly changed. As Jesus went on and said, Doubtless, some of you will quote from me the proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And others will say, Do hear the things that we've heard you've done in Capernaum. He goes on and begins to tell them two stories of their faith, ones that they would have heard many times before, of the great prophets of the past, Elijah and Elisha, and how there have been moments when they had gone to the Gentile, the non Jew, to carry out God's purpose. And for reasons that aren't completely clear to us, the crowd becomes enraged. So much so that we're told that they drove him out of the synagogue, out of the community, took him up to a hill overlooking Nazareth, and planned to throw him off of that but in ways that aren't explained to us, Jesus escapes. And as far as scripture tells us, never return to his hometown or to his synagogue again. What was it that got him so upset? Was it the fact that he was not going to offer these deeds of power that he had shared with another community on the lake? Was it their hearing in his words that this grace of God was going to pass over them and go then to the Gentile? Was it this recognition that he wasn't the man they thought he was, that he clearly was claiming an identity and ministry far beyond anything they could have imagined? We don't know. One scholar suggests that sometimes anger and violence is the only response when individuals are forced to face the truth they want to ignore. And perhaps that was the heart of it. Whatever the explanation for the reaction of that congregation, what strikes me about the way Jesus spoke on that day was how the same words could be heard as good news or hard news. I have come to bring good news to the poor, he said, to release to the captives, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. He went on to hint that certainly as in times past how God's word and, and, and love had gone to the Gentiles, so would it, could it happen again And it was clear that he was speaking of a different kind of understanding of God than what they had come to accept for themselves. And so the words that he spoke in that moment were heard as encouraging and uplifting to some, and threatening and even anger invoking to others. And it's that pattern that experience that jesus has that leads me to share a word with you today that i suspect could be hard to hear and yet one that i believe to be a word of truth that we need to receive i've been part of this community now for 18 years and while by the classic definition of that term it perhaps would mean that this community is not my hometown it's clear in our nearly two decades together of the incredible blessings that we've received as a family and as part of this ministry in our journey together and it is drawing upon both that relationship and the history that we share that i i want to bring some news to you today that could be heard as good news and could be heard as hard news. It relates to something that most of you are aware of, namely the most recent generosity initiative called Be Renewed. Like the campaigns that preceded that one, this one too was planned and carried out by a very talented group of your fellow members. Like those earlier campaigns, this one, too, invited our members to make a pledge for the next two years to fund all the ministries of our church. And I can tell you today the results of that effort. SB Renewed has given us 279 pledges, totaling $3.4 million over the next two years. By any standard, that is something to celebrate, and in fact, is the third highest amount pledged in a multi-year campaign. In our congregation's more than two centuries worth of existence. And yet, even within that, there is some hard news. As that total, came in about a half million below our goal and 450,000 less than the pledges that were made two years ago. Now, you need to know that our session in eight days will approve a budget reflecting what has been committed. And even with those reduced numbers, we'll be able to maintain all of our current ministries, be able to offer raises to this talented staff with whom I'm privileged to serve. We will remain current on our renovation, loan, servicing, and when the two years have ended, there would have been nearly $350,000 worth of mission caring for individuals outside our walls. And yet the impact of that reduced amount will clearly shape our ministry in the years to come in ways that I can't predict. That's concerning for me, but by far, the more troubling part of that story is that these pledges represent 79 fewer pledges than were offered two years ago. Many of you know I am not aware of what any individual here pledges unless they choose to share it with me, but I am privy to knowing who has made pledges and who has not, those who have significantly changed their pledge either higher or lower, and I think that's an important piece of information to offer pastoral care, and certainly, One's financial gifts is not the only indication of spiritual health, but it does offer a clue of places that, where things have changed and where the pastors need to follow up. And so when I look at that list of 79 households who made pledges two years ago but not for Be Renewed, there are some things that I understand, as there are some there who have moved away No longer part of our church, some who I know are facing health challenges, uncertainty in their workplace, and thus feeling uncomfortable making a pledge this time. There are some there that I know have been upset with some of the decisions made by our session or me, and I know that there are others in that group that I think this choice not to make a pledge now really reflects the impact of the pandemic on them in ways that have affected their tie to this body of faith, all kinds of possible explanations. And yet the reality is it, it continues a trend of recent years of ever fewer numbers of households giving ever more back to the church. In the same way, those numbers demonstrate another trend that continues, and this is in terms of the generations. As certainly, people are in different places in their life, both financially and in terms of their expenses, when they're just out of college, when they have young children, when they're an empty nester, or when they're a retiree, and so one would expect that the amount pledged could reflect that, and it certainly does. But again, I'm talking about the number of pledges, not the amount. When you look at those pledges, there are some some troubling trends in terms of the generations. Our members who are age 58 and older, and most uh, sociologists refer to that as baby boomers or the greatest generation or the silent generation, all those groups put together. In our congregation, those individuals represent less than half of our membership. And yet they have offered 82% of the pledges. And when we look at the Gen Xers and Millennials, the next two generations, that group is about a third of our congregation and yet they have made the 18% that complete, the total number. And friends, Those trends, both the generational disparity and the lower number of pledges, are patterns that are not sustainable in the long run. Now, I share that word with you today, not to make you feel guilty, not to deny the fact that we have members who faithfully give without making pledges and know that that blesses us too. But instead, I offered in the way that I believe Jesus intended that sermon in Nazareth to happen to. That this word, both the good news and the hard news, might start a conversation with me, with your loved ones, with fellow members, with God. It's not the kind of news I relish sharing. And yet, I also believe the truth of something else that preacher in Nazareth said years later when he offered you will know the truth and the truth will set you free and I believe that to be true for us as well. And so it is on this day that there is good news that our members yet again have offered the resources needed to fund all of our ministry for the next two years, blessing not only those within these walls, but many outside our walls that we'll never meet. And the good news is that these trends can be turned around, and the capability is within our own membership. Which is why on this day, I continue to celebrate the gifts and the gathering of this body of faith, trusting that ahead of us still are opportunities to respond in even more generous ways to the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. I thank you God for the ways that you bless each one of us for all the ways that we experience the abundance of your love. I thank you for the countless ways individuals in this community have responded to that truth and pray that you will continue to guide us as a body of faith as we move into the months and years ahead, that we might continue to discover and claim once again you as the source of every good gift. And with that news, learn how we might, yes, demonstrate our faithfulness. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on your journey of faith. Don't forget to check out www.dtownpc.org to explore all the ways DPC strives to be a bridge for Christ and a beacon of His love.